Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515-245-4330 or via email at michaelkeener at griefsydney.com. That's M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney.com, G-R-E-F-E-S-I-D-N-E-Y.com. mkeener at griefsydney.com. Michael Keener, attorney at law. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. We're back again, soccer talking. I'm Ben Brackett with Blake Sievers. Blake, what's up, man? Hey, Ben, just another day, uh, another pod. Looking forward to it. You know, we've been hearing some feedback from our listeners that we've, we've been slacking a little bit. You know, we were churning them out in the spring multiple times a week, and now we're kind of getting to the once a week or so. So not sure what we're going to do with that, Ben, but it's interesting the, the what the listeners want to hear. I know. If only we could just have more time in the day and we could just pod all day. It would be great. Um... So today's an exciting day, isn't it? We've got a, a kind of a, a new segment, actually, that we're, we're pretty excited about. Um, On that note, you know, another, a new sponsor as well, which yeah, is pretty exactly. exciting. Well, exactly. So what we're going to do today um, is a new segment. It's called Beers on the Table, and it's sponsored by our good friends over at Central City Liquors. Um, and uh, so today we're going to be chatting with a referee, which... Um, if you know, you know, me and Blake, we probably, I don't know, maybe have like a fraught relationship with referees over the years and trying to grow a little bit as people. And, um, so we have a a young guy, uh, Sean Geis is his name. Um, he's a pretty well-known referee throughout, throughout the state. And, uh, it's a pretty fun little chat, isn't it, Blake? It is. Yeah. You see a completely different side of the game through a referee's eyes. And, I think he kind of, uh, yeah, he allows us to look at look at where they're coming from, some of the challenges that the game is for them rules-wise, um, and then also some cool experiences that he's he's getting to do traveling regionally, nationally, um, you know, refereeing the top the top youth level of the DA games as well. So it's pretty, I, I enjoyed it. It's pretty interesting to hear some of his stories. Yeah, he's uh, he's seen the game at a different level than most soccer people throughout the state of Iowa, uh, just based on some of our locational challenges and, you know, uh, the lack of travel that teams are able to do and the events that, uh, teams are entering, um, the referees don't have those same limitations. So you, somebody like Sean is going, like you said, all over the country. Um, and you mentioned this before we started, uh, the pod, Blake, just how it was interesting to, um, you know, we kind of had our thoughts as to where the conversation was going to go, but, um, it was pretty organic the way that it evolved uh, over the hour or so. It was, and I think uh, we obviously can't give our audience too much information because otherwise they would listen to the, to the main <laughs> part of our pod. Yeah, well, and so we won't, 
we won't keep keep you too much longer. Um, I do think it was interesting the way this whole thing came about, and then you know uh, it uh, evolved into our beers on the table segment. Um, but so Blake and I have. I wouldn't say we've been critical of referees in the past, but we've commented on referees in the past, and we've actually been, I don't know, we've praised them in some situations, and um, Sean listened to the pod, and, uh, you know, basically, the short version is, is we had a little bit of a dialogue, and we thought that it would be a a good time for him to get on and chat a little bit about the referee world, so um, here we go with putting some beers on the table with, uh, with Sean Geiza. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, welcome, Sean Geiza, to the podcast. Did I say that right, Geiza? Yes. Very very good. So in case you guys have met Sean before, now you'll know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, welcome to the pod, Sean. Glad to be here. Excited for excited for this opportunity. Um, looking forward to it. So in the first take of this recording, Ben took my question, so I'm going to kind of call him out here. Um, have you ever been on a pod, Sean? No, I have not. That's great. So... Uh, you know, a little nervousness, a little uh, sweaty palms, but we'll we'll help you help guide you through it here. Well, it's okay. You know, the beers on the table helps a little bit, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's not like we got the old, the typical like nine a.m. pot in here. Everybody's kind of rolling in a little little groggy. And we got Fourth of July tomorrow, so no work. Exactly, exactly. So that's a great start for us, Sean. Talk to us a little about a little bit about like. Obviously, where you've come from, but then you know, like you're a, uh, you know, we've talked about being a referee, but like you are a, uh, you have a normal job, like you're just like a guy normally, right? Just, I mean, like basically like the rest of us. Yeah. So tell us a little about your origin story, who you are, where you came from. So yeah, uh, raised in Creston, Iowa, Southwest Iowa, small town, one uh, A soccer back, back when it started up. I believe they might still be one A. I'm not exactly sure. Um, played. AYSO, YMCA soccer when I was a little kid, then really didn't have much opportunity to play the game after that. Um, got back in it in high school. So that's kind of what led me back into the game. How um, big is Creston? About 7,000 people. He knows the stats, I like that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah roughly, roughly. But um, yeah, so so from there, went to college. Uh, did play in college at Simpson, and Grandview was on the team at Grandview. Did you play for Aziz? I did not play for Aziz. Played for Wilson. Uh, I played for Wilson. You're okay. Correct. Very good. Young boy. Correct. Here. Yeah, yeah. I just gotta make sure. So, um, and kind of when I was playing uh, on the teams in 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 college, just thought about getting another opportunity to stay in the game. Played adult amateur here in Des Moines for many years in futsal as well as outdoor. Um, started getting hurt a little too much and figured uh, refereeing was a good a good pathway to stay involved in the game. So that's kind of where we. Got got to be where we're at here. Okay, so before we start talking about refereeing, what position did you play? Because I don't know that I've ever run across you playing. We played against each other oh, in see, the international league. Such a jerk. We actually probably did. when I was yeah. younger though. Yeah, um, but and, like, I played, when I still play played goalkeeper. So, okay, fair enough. And I helped uh, help start up the Des Moines um, marksman team. Okay, started up. So. I know about them as well. Okay, fair enough. Very good. So uh, I mean, can I get the refereeing then? Yeah, yeah. Ben? Let's Is go there. Right? Let's go there. When did you? When did so you? So you never, re- yeah, you never refereed until out. You graduated college. Correct. Yeah, I started in. Uh, I'd always wanted to take the course. I was also a bartender, so it was really hard. <laughs> Where at? Uh, man, a lot of places. Saints. <laughs> let's go. Saints, Tonic, Glen Oaks Country Club, Quinton's East Village. Um, Ooh, all right. Trostel's Dish was there for about four years. Well, yeah, I got yeah. a little upscale there for a minute. <laughs> Um, but it was hard. It was hard to, to justify taking off two nights of work to take the course because it was a Friday-Saturday combo. So um, finally ended up working out one weekend where it was like State Fair, I think, is the same weekend as the State Fair and decided to take the course um, in 2015 is when I got that done. So I've only been at this for about uh, four years now. That's that's interesting for uh, – so you – you took it in 2015. Did what age did you? When I mean, you were literally the bottom entry level. Yep. Tw- at age 26. Yep. At age 26. Yep. So I mean, we talk a little about coaching licenses and whatnot, and you know, if you play at a certain level, you can kind of get, um, you can skip all the bottom courses. And well, get, it's not quite as as lenient as it used to be yeah. these days. Like if you've been, you know, you talk about your research, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So it's no, not quite just, as thorough. Just as interesting. So I mean, so you you go and pass the course. I mean, I remember taking the course when I was 14, I think. Oh, the Twelve, yeah. yeah. Um, so you as a 22, 23-year-old 
21 year old something around there you're refereeing refereeing where'd you start out no, 20, 26. 26 26 so i okay, started sorry. my very first game i did get to um kind of bypass some usually what we do is start off referees and kind of more recreational leagues yep. um i did get to bypass that a little bit due to some playing history and kind of where i was at with the game but uh, i started off on a u11 girls line uh isl game in johnston that was one of my first games that's cool. Uh, so CRSA against JUSC, I believe. So I'm glad was. you remember that. Yeah, that's great. He's a stats guy, though, right? Yeah. I can tell already. <laughs> so, so talk about just like like before you go into all the the good stuff. What what drew you to it? Because um, I know as a player, like I mean, a lot of times I wasn't a, a big fan of referees. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I think it was a couple big calls. You know, you know how it is, like Sunday league, right? Like it's. It's everybody's World Cup and on that on that Sunday and a couple big blown calls. I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna yell about it and be mad about it, I should probably prove that I can actually do it or do better than them. So that kind of was what led me into it. And then a couple more injuries, um, couldn't really play the game anymore, and it was just a great way to stay involved. That sounds like a great answer to me. Yes. Okay. So your little your story though. So you start at U11 line. Walk us through kind of how you progress to uh, to where you're at now, and uh, sorry, Ben. No, and I was just saying, please talk about like the levels because I know that there's like a there's very much a process. It's not like you go from U11. It's not like you just there's magically. Grade, there's yeah. st- are there still grades? Anymore? There are still grades. Okay. Yeah. So I started off as a grade eight entry level. There's no grade nine anymore. And actually, as of July first, it's all been reorganized to grassroots, regional national pro fifa so it's all completely different now than what it has been and th- um, those are the the levels currently currently those are so you are a... right now i'm a regional referee okay um so it would be formerly a grade six or a grade five national candidate referee okay and um, there are how many grades previously like just to understand yeah, scale so back and forth. Yeah. yeah so grade eight entry level grade seven would be right above that six was what we call a state referee which means um, what? basically you're eligible to do the highest level games in your state so for us it'd be like des moines menace um you're also eligible to do games in the regions like usasa playoffs um, other PDL or USL two games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, those college games is that different? Different, yeah. Totally so we have different. yeah, completely okay. different on the college side. But uh, as you move up, um, it gets a little bit more specialized. So once you become a grade five, in previous days, you decide, hey, I want to go AR track or I want to go center referee track. And then from there, the grades, grade four is a national assistant referee. Grade three is a national referee. Those are the referees capable of doing MLS games in the highest level of professional soccer that we had here in the United States. And then grade two was a FIFA assistant referee, and grade one is your uh, FIFA referee. Understood. So clearly they're able to do um, all levels of competition. So you're definitely not moving through the ranks quick. I mean, a general referee is not moving from grade eight to grade three in five, six years. No. It's a process. It is a process, yeah. And a lot of our referees, as you mentioned, taking the course at around 14, 15 years old, that's still when referees uh, primarily are taking the course, right? They're club players. They're looking for some extra cash or they need to help out their club by doing games. And so they start there and they stay kind of in that entry level, what we call grassroots now, for a few years before they get a little bit older and they start to gain more experience and we can start bumping them up to different um, games that are a little bit higher level, higher age range, Um, perhaps thinking about sending them outside of the state to regional competitions on the youth side or uh, working into adult games as they as they progress through um, high school and beyond. So so I'm like the most impatient person so I just like I have to understand this so you're telling me that, I didn't realize this I thought that so like when you go to the World Cup and there's like a referee team of four right mm-hmm. and they ref different games I I didn't I thought that, that like the assistant referees sometimes cycled into being like the center ref and that like there was like a mixture so like it's not you're telling me that like you literally plan to specialize in being an assistant correct you're not like a grade two and a grade one you're no nope. you're like I'm an assistant I'm the top grade assistant referee period right so if you're a FIFA oh, assistant referee crazy. You're not stepping in the middle on, on, uh, on a FIFA level game. Now you can do anything below that, perhaps. But generally speaking, national referees and FIFA referees are going to be sticking to the uh, assistant referee spot on those higher level games. And so that's the swap: is center ref to assistant ref, or right, or the fourth official. Sorry, and right. then you've got the linesman or the, right. the other two. And a okay. lot of the FIFA referee, uh, the FIFA positions on those games, they're actually going to have backup reserve officials 
ready to go behind the scenes. So if an assistant uh, referee goes down, there's somebody ready to go in that spot behind uh, behind the scenes. Well, so, understudy. Yeah. So I, think, I mean, that's interesting because I think lining, again, I'm not an expert or have done it in any time uh, recently, but I think that is one of the most difficult things uh, to do, yeah. especially in there's any kind of environment because you're trying to watch a player that could be 60 yards away strike a ball and you're looking at across a line and the players could be 40 yards away from you and you're trying to see the ball the player you're there's I mean if there's any kind of atmosphere in the crowd you can't hear it so uh, to me that the line the uh, yeah not to mention you gotta be fit and fast yeah it is to me is almost more difficult than center I would tend to interested to hear what you I would tend to agree with that, physically speaking, uh, physically, definitely, you have to be able to sidestep. You have to have quick reactions. You have to burst. Um, you need to have vision like none other. Because a lot of times people think you're looking at the shoulders of a player. What's trailing behind them 99% of the time is actually the heel of their foot. So that's where the offside decision is, is the heel of their foot towards the head of the other player. So you got to learn how to judge that and figure out where it's at all while moving, we all know that this game is fluid, uh, moving the entire time and being ready for those shots on target and those goal line decisions and touch line decisions. So, yeah, I would I would tend to agree that for the 90 minutes of the match, it is one of the most uh, demanding jobs on your physique as well as mental focus. Some of those linos get hassled big time. And you know, they show the replay on TV, and like the number of times they are spot on is unbelievable, I think. Yeah, so then the question becomes, well... The obvious question is, what are you? But we won't go there yet. <laughs> well, you would but, clearly not be a line. <laughs> I would not be able to say that. Yeah, absolutely no. no it's just a referee. I think well, but I'm sure. Like I'm sure. Because well, we know that uh, that uh, Sean is not an assistant, and that he he runs the middle, or at least right now. I find it hard to believe that you're gonna you're gonna try, especially with your injuries and stuff. I feel like you're a center, so you're gonna tell us all about why centers would be like superior, probably yeah, shortly. Yeah, which, which, you know, which is why I would be a center. <laughs> 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 no, the fact is, I mean, the fact is, you know, it's 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 all a team. Every crew that walks onto a onto a field, you you have to have that that team built into what you're doing in that fabric. Especially when we start to move up levels, adult games, higher level college games. No one person can work at work as an individual when you're on the field. You always have to be watching each other's back, making sure that you're calling what needs to be called for the game and doing what's right for the game. And that's essentially why we're out there. So, so talk a little bit about that. Then, so um, you know, you, again, we you started as a U11 uh, on the line. You progressed through the ranks. So I want to hear just kind of how you progress quickly, and then talk about because we know you've been at the, some regional, national team events, and you just mentioned the team. So you're. Hook, uh, meeting up with guys and girls that you've never met before, trying to work as a team, and they say, hey, here you go, go figure it out. So talk a little about your progression through the ranks and then also your team aspect of uh, of the crew. Yeah, so 2015, start off grade 8, entry level, uh, did my first state cup, uh, older age groups uh, in the fall of 2018, followed it up with the state cup in the spring, and just kind of progress from there. Every assignment you get that you prove you can handle, the assigner is going to challenge you a little bit more on the next round of games or the next week or whatever it is. So for in that short amount of time, I've upgraded to seven. The next year um, was able to get my upgrade to a state referee the following year after that. And then um, now we're kind of at the, at the spot where I'm able to go to regional events, able to go to the National DEA uh, Development Academy events and, and do those games as well as get into the college game, uh, which is a different beast than United States Soccer Federation, but it is a huge part of what we do here in the States. So um, I've been v- very blessed with the opportunity to be able to progress so quickly, um, but at the same time, you've got to perform when you're on the game. And so that's the biggest thing is making sure that you're doing so, that. Let so, me answer the second part of the question well, then before you, Mr. Impatient. Gosh, I have such a good one. Just about the crew. Okay. Uh, no, this is better. Before you go to the crew, yeah. come back to the crew because you mentioned the assigner. Right, so mm-hmm. somebody's assigning games for you, but then there's somebody that's assessing you or coaching you along the Correct. way. Correct. Yep. Um, is that sort of the progression? Then ultimately, is like you've got like top level refs, and they go to be, you know, like you and you coach and mentor right now. I mean, but Phil, then I mean, talk about some of the names too, because I mean, Phil Sinwell used to be one back in the day. I don't he's, know that yep. before your time, or he's still around. No, he's still around. Phil's still around. Uh, so yeah, the assessor and the the what we call mentors or referee coaches are huge in your progression. I mean, you can't. 
be recommended for a, a higher level game if you haven't you know sort of been seen or been evaluated by somebody who says that you're able to do those games as well so um, in our local community, Bonnie Larson is huge in that. I mean, she assigns a lot of our Iowa State League games. I, I think it's Iowa Soccer uh, Championship Series, the league that plays into that. Um, she was huge in my early development as far as getting me on to, to better um, matches or do working with me in high school games, things like that. We also have, still have Phil Sinwell here in Central Iowa. Um, Shane Smith is our national referee coach. He lives in Knoxville. So he's kind of more along those national events. And helping us progress to that level. Knoxville, um, Iowa. Yeah, he's. This is. I just am always yeah. amazed that we have these like. He's been around for a while. Though. No, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying like where they like where they live. It's just I love it. That's like you know. Yeah, he's a big sprint car fan. Right. Yeah. Well, there you so go. So there you go. Right. <laughs> it's a perfect of, spot. Uh, to make a real small chat, we're going to Jody Messina and John Michael Montgomery, Marion County Fair. All right. All right. Anyways. Anyways. You guys can catch that on our uh, our other pod, which is called um, (laughs) County Fairs in Iowa and their racetrack uh, endeavors. I don't know. I'm running out of ideas. Keep going. Yeah, no. So, and you can't, I mean, you you can't understate the importance of of assigners and how they help you progress. Um, But that's kind of... That's kind of how you get to those next levels is, is doing the games, doing well on the games. And, I mean, we all know we're going to have a bad one here or there. That's going to happen. Everybody's human. But you got to find ways to pick yourself up. And the mentors that you work with, I've had some great mentors throughout the years. Um, a couple, you know, Royce Van Rokel, Robert Sori, even just colleagues that I work with closely on a day-to-day basis. They help pick you up and make sure that you're not keeping that one mistake too long in the back of your head. So... Um, those all of those people are important to help you progress. Royce is a former dragon as well. Oh, the Johnson dragon. Always falling. Yeah. Roll drags. On, on that note, before, can I, are go you going to go to the crew again? No, I'm just wondering, like, what kind of feedback are they giving you? Hey, you in the fifteenth minute, I saw a different angle, so that wasn't a foul, or that was a foul, or are they? I'm just interested. What kind of feedback you're getting from from these folks? I think it's I think it's all dependent on the individual, and how they want to assess. Um, you know, how you think you're doing. Some some mentors, assessors will sit there and write notes every other minute of the game. They'll take your decisions and they'll ask you about the key decisions at the end. Others want a more general picture of how you felt that you did on the game. What did you think are the most important um, aspects that, that you had in the match? And I think that recall when you start to say, hey, I didn't really think my movement was very good or I thought that in, in the 30th minute I missed this decision, you start to play back things for them that they were going to talk about anyway and then it makes it easier because now you're both on the same page of what you need to work on or or what needs to be improved so and so the way this whole conversation kind of came about ultimately was um so we were we were discussing blake and i discussed uh an event during the high school season where there was a referee that sort of was you know unfortunately thrust in the center of the game based on a lot of the little uh, the things that were going on, right? Like we can just be general about it. But the the we we sat we uh, we popped into each other, bumped into each other, had a little chat, and the conversation kind of came back to okay. So like um, you said that you got a phone call from this guy on the way back. So you're coaching now at this level, doing the same type of thing. I think we've got two two games mixed up. Sure, two games mixed up. But, well, you, I did, but you said you talked to the guy. Yeah, I've, I, I did. Mentor. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a good friend of mine, and I, I was we were just you know we all have games on the sub state weekend. We're all chatting. There were about multiple them. games there. The referee was thrust yeah. in the middle. So, so your point was that multiple you... difficult difficult games on sub state finals weekend, as there always will be. One one team's going home. One team's going to state, and that's just how it is in any elimination game. You got one fan base that's going to be happy, and eleven people are going to be ecstatic, and the benches and all that. But you got. 11 other people on the other sideline that aren't. And so um, there, I think there was uh, uh, your Twitter pages where I actually found some videos and you were mentioning some, some discussion about how to handle crowd um, issues and whether or not to eject a parent and kind of what that means when, when the game's sort of getting out of control. And it just, it was kind of a general conversation to say, you know, we're, we're kind of told to handle this a certain way, right? We're, our hands are tied. Uh, when it comes to those, some of those crowd control things, because we need to get the AD involved or the coach if there's not an AD um, present or if you're in a USSF game where you don't have an AD. And then from there, it's kind of, you know, we set aside until 
the individual or the people are removed so the game can continue without incident. And that's kind of where I want to make sure that we're all on the same page of is that, um, you know, there is protocol for handling some things like that. And we are kind of in a tough position because it's not like we want those things um, to, to mar the game or that's not what we show up wanting to do. It's just sometimes for the good of the game and what needs to happen in that environment, you got to do what's right to make sure it goes without incident. And sometimes your guys' hands, I mean, we, we talk, your guys' hands are tied. Right. You can't, like, yeah, you could do some, you could do A, you know, exhibit A, but unfortunately you can't because the rule is you have to do this and not everybody knows all the rules and you're stuck looking like the bad guy because you're trying to follow <laughs> protocol. Yeah. And, yeah. like, sorry guys, like, this is, and right. a lot of times the coaches or the people that know understand but 99 or 95% of everybody else doesn't uh, doesn't understand or get it. Correct. And there's no, you know, I think when you're at any soccer game, any event really, I mean, I I watch basketball and I don't, I can't tell you what a foul is in basketball anymore because sure. I, I don't know. But <clears throat> Yeah, you read um, the rule book every day. Right. That's you're, not what I do. You're um, in a really interesting, interesting position because you're not only kind of coaching younger refs or uh, newer refs or less experienced referees, but you're also – than being coached on the other end. So you're like you're almost like middle management. Yeah, yeah. Well, the idea is we're getting that information from the higher-level coaches, mm-hmm. and then we pass it down to a format that the younger referees can absorb and understand uh, that's applicable to the games they're doing to help them progress too. So, yeah, it's, it's you absorb on one end, and you, you know, help uh, others absorb on the other side, and you're never – you're always learning in this game. And I think that's what's also, when I've got into refereeing, what I've started to really enjoy is that you're never the expert. Even when you think you might know it all or you think you have this game nailed down, somebody else is going to have a different opinion and, and you're going to be able to learn something from that if your eyes and ears are open to it. So um, kind of on that note, we talk a lot about high school soccer. We covered it a bunch in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you've obviously refereed in the high school game. Just give us your the difficulties, the challenges, the things you like. Talk about the high school club dynamic on the from the referee point of view. And obviously there's, I mean, to me, the rule change is trying to keep track of which, which rule is here, which rule is there. When you're doing a club game on maybe on the weekend or, you know, an adult league game on the weekend, and then you have high school game, you know, on the Monday or the Tuesday. Just give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head, right? I mean, the biggest thing sometimes we run into issues is, remembering those differences high school um rule book and rules versus laws they are different um so in high school we have a rule book it it takes a little bit longer for that to update um, with the newer changes that come out from ifab or for fifa laws of the game Um, so you just have to be up on it and know what you're refereeing and know the environment that you're in also one of the differences between club and high school is in high school we're told that it's an extension of the classroom, right? So sportsmanship is of the utmost importance um, when you're on a high school match. You know, we have rules for foul language. We have ways to deal with foul language. Um, there's a little bit more differences than used to be. I guess it changed this year. We'll change in the next coming year. But, you know, can you card coaches? Can you not card coaches? <clears throat> How do you deal with injuries and restarts after injuries? And um, all those things you have to keep to keep in your mind. So uh, that is probably one of the things on high school versus regular club that's more difficult to keep track of. And I just always keep, you see three law books in front of me right now or three books in front of me. I keep these with me in my bag at all times. So if there's ever something that I need a refresher on, it's right there. Um, okay, stop me, stop you. Stop yourself there. What happens if in the middle of the game you don't know what to do, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like that. Yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. so this is like a, a thing because, like, in the real world, right? Well, so think about in college. Remember, they let you have like open book tests, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, because like in the real world, you can always refer back to the the rule book to whatever this the, you know the reference book is. In this situation, you could be in the minute thirty, and like some complicated rule comes up, and if you're not Johnny on the spot, like, what do you do? Yeah. So you've got to know, in my opinion, what I started focusing on are the main ones. I'm going to know all the main ones that are similar, right? We have we have laws across the board that are similar. Um, denying an obvious goal, for example, offside. Those are all the same. So the intricacies are the things that I look at before a game. I'm like, oh, what happens when somebody throws something on the field? Is it an indirect kick or is it a direct kick? Those are the things I'm looking for. There's a new app for iFab. 
So this book right here is on an app. I'm thinking about strapping it to my arm. We've talked about this, a couple of us. No, just joking. We can't do that. Like, can't do like, that. But, but you do. You have to know, you have to have a good grasp on them before you walk out there on the field, which is another part of progression, right? You, you, you're not going to know it all in your first U11 game. So you have to learn that you can master those laws and, and prove that you can master those laws of the game before you get out there. Um, but you, you just, you know, when those situations come up, you rely on your crew. If you're really not sure, but the other crew member knows it, they're going to try and give you that information. They're going to try and save the whole crew for the game and do what's right for the game. So, um, and you know, if you do it and you're not sure, you always look back on video, find out you did it wrong, and guess what? We pick ourselves up and we learn from it and we don't do it the next time, hopefully. So kind of on that same note now, let's talk a little about differences in uh, NCAA Division One, Two, Three, and AIA. Are there, are there many differences as far as, obviously not laws of the game, but maybe is rules a better way to phrase it? For NCAA, yeah, rules are the better way to phrase it. Um, so primarily, I, I have done a lot of National Junior College Athletic Association games here with our Iowa Conference, um, as well as um, on the Big 12 list. So I've done a handful of Iowa State matches um, as a fourth official and um, Drake matches as well here in town. So I think the biggest difference is the level of athlete that you're seeing on the field. Um, and that's not to say one's, one's necessarily better than the other, but the recruitment dollars that go into a Drake University versus an Iowa State University versus a um, Simpson Iowa Western or a Simpson College. I mean, those are huge money differences, right? Um, so you're going to see differences in the athletes um, in that regard. You're you're also going to see, you know, differences in just the equipment that the athletes have at their disposal, the training staff that they have at their disposal. Um, you're going to see, you know, on a typical Division three game, we're going to run a double header, um, whereas a Division one so game, it's just one game. So, so what are you doing for a Division three game? I mean, there's four of you that show up. Three. Three. So, yeah, we only have a, two two assistant referees and one referee. Until we get to the playoff games, we typically don't have a fourth official. Is that because the conference doesn't? I don't know. I mean, I, don't, think, okay, I don't. I'm curious. I don't know exactly that. I think mainly it's it's a lot of logistics. Um, we have only so many referees and x amount of games to cover. Um, and if you have the whole conference playing on one night. Um, and you only you know fifty referees to cover that. Yeah. When you add a fourth official, that means you need that many more referees that we just don't have. So you so. guys are doing so. Say you referee, um, just say the girls are, are before the boys. It flip flops. So some conferences do it uh, if they're doing double headers, like the National Junior College. I think it flip flops about halfway through the the season, where the girls you know were first early on, and then it flips where the boys are first, and then the girls are second. So one guy does the center, then he moves to the he moves to the line, or she moves Correct. to the line the next yep. game. They move to the line, or they move to the fourth official. There won't be a fourth, fourth official. official. Oh, so sorry. yep, yep, okay. you just gotcha. move to the line. Yep, and then if one guy is doing the line. Um, he's going to move into the center for that second game. You, you, and I shouldn't say guys. Better be fit. I say you guys and girls better be fit. Oh, um, yeah, I'm going to correct myself and gals too because we have plenty of plenty of very good female referees um, on our list here in Iowa uh, that do a great job on these college games also. Is this where you give the shout-out to the young lady that's in the Women's World Cup? Yeah, gotcha. Um, I, I didn't know her personally, but I know that she uh, refereed in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area. I believe she went to Iowa City West. Okay. Um, where she went to school and then moved out to Washington for a professional career. So um, she's she's you know made the World Cup list, which is I mean unbelievable. Super cool. the goal, yeah. Whatever, yeah, the goal I think of every referee who wants to advance. Uh, that's definitely on their on their uh, list of things to do. So right now is Terry Vaughn kind of the um, the watermark? The, yeah, for Iowa soccer. And and if he is, that's great. If he's not, is there anybody else up there? And who's uh, other than Sean Geyser, who's, no. who's on the, <laughs> on the tracks? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Terry, it's I've, I've met Terry. Um, I actually have a, a plan to go see him this weekend. Um, but it, what what him, or he, sorry, and his family have done is just incredible for, for soccer in the state of Iowa. I mean, first off, you know, he's traveling to games back when we didn't have internet assigning, we didn't have you know, all these uh, fancy things to get us from one game to the other with GPS. He's going to St. Louis and Chicago and kind of paving the way for us 
um, to follow him and making it to the FIFA ranks being from, you know, small town Iowa is just absolutely incredible. So um, beyond what he's done on the field, setting up the annual Terry Vaughn Referee Academy, um, he's huge as far as giving back as a mentor himself. And uh, education was a big part of what his ultimate goals were. Um, and, you know, he started an annual referee academy that we hold here uh, in the Des Moines area. I was going to ask about that because I saw your shirt, and yep. I, I, I was not aware of that. Yeah, the yep. Valley High School? Usually at Valley High School. Um, we're actually playing around with some uh, venue switches possibly this year, but no, nothing against Valley, just possibly numbers, trying to trying to make sure we can accommodate the numbers that we've been getting. Um, but it's, you know, we, we tend to bring in – FIFA referees, um, former FIFA referees. Uh, we had Mark Geiger and um, Corey Rockwell here this past year from the, the Russia World Cup. Unbelievable. And then, you know, we've in years past, we've had Ricardo Salazar, um, Kermit Quisenberry from the MLS, uh, Carrie Seitz, which is your director of women's and director of uh, officiating at FIFA now. Um, so we've had some fantastic speakers. What was the little Mike Dean in there, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see Mike Dean come over. Um, but no, it's, what they've done is 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 really good. And I, and I think when you ask, you know, who's the best and what's the benchmark, I mean, it's it's got to be Terry. And I don't know if anybody necessarily should uh, be uh, ever above that or will reach those goals. I hope we have another FIFA referee in Iowa, but given all that he's done off the field, it's going to be hard to beat. Well, I remember growing up, I mean, you're like, oh, Terry Vaughn's refereeing our game. Yeah. It was like, I mean, that was... He ref my state final I don't want to be star sophomore, but it was kind no. of cool. I was like, oh, this I, guy is actually... Yeah, I remember him... Back in the day when he was doing yeah. MLS games. He was and, yeah. awesome, too. Like, he ref the, the final of the state, the high, high school state. he refed seven times, I believe. Okay, so like in 2001, I yeah. think it must have been 2001... And the nicest part, you know, he oh, was meet, great though. He was get, awesome. I've met I've met his family and his and his wife is absolutely un, unbelievable. I don't know if you know what kind of Terry's gone through. Yeah, um, well, no, he's got is it Huntington's disease? Yes, correct. Okay. So he's got Huntington's disease, and and it's been um, obviously a huge change um, for them to see somebody uh, go through that. But you know, his wife is always whenever I text her saying, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" You know, always ready to have us uh, referees stop by and. You know, ask for old stories from Terry, or just kind of keep him up to date on what's going on, and he still stays very involved. So, um, they're just a great family. Uh, daughter Kyla is very involved in athletics, um, so they're they're just a fantastic family, and and very good to have in Iowa soccer. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that might be our claim to fame, really, as a state. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean yeah, I do. I, I remember Ty, like, oh, he's refereeing. That was a big deal because yeah. he wouldn't, when he was at the top of, uh, I mean, top of his game, he wouldn't, which I wouldn't either, come back to Iowa very often. I'm sure his schedule wouldn't allow it either. And he was a lot back, of it. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's yeah, what an incredible. I mean, it's almost like you're like a like in a rock band or like a you know. I mean, like that's what you're doing. You're just traveling for a living. I mean, he would come back to Iowa, which yeah. is. Yeah, and a lot of it at that level is really what you're um, – so if you're a member of pro, pro professional referee organization, you know, you got to get your other games cleared through there. So a lot of that comes down to whether or not you can get those games cleared. Um, but, you know, you ask about up-and-comers and those of us following kind of in Terry's footsteps and, and doing our best. You know, we've got um, an Iowa Advanced Referee Program where we have, um, I think it's approximately 30 of us in there. You know, we mentioned Royce earlier. He's kind of heading up that program and uh, receiving some help uh, from, you know, myself and others doing video clip editing and teaching instructional sessions. Uh, we've seen probably a lot of our referees out on the fields in the high school games uh, this year. And, and, you know, so we do keep that active and trying to get to different events around the country and just learn from the best and work with the best so that way we can bring it back here to Iowa and share it to our to our referees and not only that but improve the game that's on the field too. Um, referees are just as much part of the game as the players and the coaches are and if their product isn't uh, the best then we're not going to be able to keep the game um, going where it needs to go. Yeah I think referees are like it, I mean I, I mentioned that earlier like I wasn't always a big fan of a referee as a player, but as I've gotten older, you know, obviously perspective comes into play. And you, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like you, you, you can – the level of the game always changes when the referee's involved. That, you know, like there's somebody judging the game and managing the game, whereas if you just went and played with 22 of your best friends or, sorry, 21 of your best friends, like what are you going to – I mean, 
nobody's going to make those calls. And then at a certain right. point, if it's a competitive game, it's always going to get chippy, isn't it? Right. And yeah. so it's so. I mean, you know, you talk about you you ref a lot of adult soccer at uh, at an amateur level, but even down to like a you know division two co-ed level. Like those games can get out of hand if you don't have somebody managing the game. So right. you know your 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 comment about how important it is. I mean, it it's vital to the game to have referees involved. Right. And so I, think, I mean, I've tried to change my opinion on it a little bit, be a little less. <laughs> but it's vital. Sure. But that's the same. You know, on that token, it's it's important for us to stay up to date on what's going on with the game. We you know we need to be up to date with the the law changes and the rule changes for high school, et cetera, and we need to be. Doing our best to stay physically fit and mentally. Do referees focused. talk about like I don't know, you call it bedside manner, like what uh, you know, like the way you manage the game and your sort of your personality and your character? Because like some referees are awesome and the way they talk to players and they they make decisions, mm-hmm. and then you know then there are some guys that you know you're kind of like, gosh, I don't know. I don't did know you play we... soccer? Like do you know like you know when somebody gets kicked and like there's little I mean there's little things there's little things you don't yeah I don't know if we talk about it so much I think uh, you know everybody has their own personality and you kind of when you work with somebody enough times you know I think people out there who've worked with me probably know what my personality is and when you begin to learn those tendencies and how you can approach somebody I mean yeah our halftime talks definitely we talk about that stuff hey you're missing you're missing the first foul on this guy you need to call the first foul here you're missing it or you're missing the arms you know on on the center back versus the striker you need to get a little bit of a better angle you know absolutely we talk about those things but as far as you know sitting around in a fireside chat i don't yeah. really think oh. so because i think we all kind of know what each other's personality well, is. well that's fair. i mean you, if you're talking about on the other side of the coin you know like as a coach or let's just say as a coach because that's probably more of a level you know you're not really on the level of a player as a referee I mean, you're definitely thinking about the game differently same similar mm-hmm. to as you would as a coach like very definitely. a little bit broader and so like as a coach you know, sure, like you talk about a lot of stuff when you're having a beer on the side, you know, after the game or whatever, but it's not usually like, hey, Blake, I didn't think that you talked to that player very well. Or, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. like your personality yeah. very yeah. much. But, yeah, I mean, fair enough. So, I, But I'm just curious because sometimes I think that can be the difference between like a relatable referee versus a referee that maybe... Can I jump in there, Benny? Yeah. Because Dan Waskell was like... I don't know if you... Do you I know do, of okay. Dan. I've heard yeah, stories about Dan. I remember absolutely hating the guy. And his like as a player, yeah, as a player. player. And then like I got older as a player, and older as a player, and like you could say things to Dan that you would probably shouldn't say to people. But <laughs> he understood where you're coming. Like he would say, like it was he was by the end of my playing career, he was unbelievable. Like one of the one of my favorite referees because sure. you could tell him what you thought, and he understood. Like okay. you're in the heat of the moment, yeah. and um, <laughs> and he he was. I mean, he like I said, I thought he was brilliant back back towards the end of your career and uh, as you mature and and grow and I think that's one of the challenges of players is like as um, you know the referees like some of them get it as well and they're I mean they're helping you grow especially as young kids as well Mm -hmm. definitely and I don't think you know I don't think there's any referee that steps on the field for any game that wants you know wants a negative impression whether it's a call they made or whether it's a decision that didn't go somebody's way or uh, you know something they said, I don't think that that's the case um, at all. Uh, we we all want I think I, almost all the referees I've ever worked with are all perfectionists. We walk off the field critiquing ourselves on what we did wrong. Yeah, you're like, thinking about the call you missed, yeah. not all the you calls know, you got, got right. You got that one wrong. Yeah, and, and those are the ones that stick with you. Um, and <clears throat> we just hope that it's nothing critical to the to the success of the game um, but I'd say that you know managing the game and managing players I'm no expert on it no, I'm not going to lie about that I think it as you age and you progress and you work with different referees and you see what you know this national referee does or this state referee over here does you start to learn things to pick up on and just like you said, you matured in differently in your playing career. We we also do as referees. Um, I'm much different now than what I was two years ago or three years ago. So what is the what is the biggest misconception about referees in the referee community? Because um, I I mean I agree that you guys could care literally you could care less who wins the game. I think and, that's it right there. Okay. I think that's the biggest misconception right there. I can't tell you how many high school matches I've been to. <laughs> Where it's you know what are they paying you extra or wow we can't buy one here tonight or um, you know I don't have you ever don't. been a player though and felt that way 
Of course. I mean, of course. Things like in, yeah. not, I mean, I know you've been a player, but like, have you ever felt that yeah, way as absolutely. a player? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have three or four. Look at the, I mean, let's look at the Cameroon-England Women's World Cup game. Sure. When everything's going wrong for Cameroon, how can you not feel that way? I mean, it's not necessarily the referee's fault that everything's going wrong. It's just everything's going wrong. Yeah. And so I think in those games, yeah, you definitely feel like the referee or maybe it's not the referee and you don't feel that way, but that's the easy target, right? Because we have to have somebody to blame. Right, somebody's. But they're not going. To, yeah, that's not just American culture. That's to, just like human nature, yeah, right? And there, I think that, it? I think that that yeah, it just happens. And as a referee, when you find yourself in those moments, you just kind of got to weather the storm, and understand that you know you'll live to fight another day in a different game, and and just do what's again we all talk about do what's right for the game, but just make sure players are safe and make sure you're getting to the end of the game, um, making the calls that need to be made and and finding yourself a way out of there because. You know, you get into those, and at a certain point, you realize you're never going to bring that team back in. Like, you're, you've lost either the captain, or you've lost the star player, or you've lost the coach, and you're never going to bring them back in. You just got to keep focusing on the next decision. Okay, so this brings up really two questions for me. So, let's go with uh, you mentioned the Cameroon game, Cameroon, England, in the Women's World Cup, um, the VAR. Um, Tell me about so so we're gonna go from like the highest level. Let's talk about the VR, and then I've got a low 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 level question for you that we have to go back to. <laughs> okay. So so VR uh, video analysis review. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you think about it generally. I'm mean, obviously you know yeah yeah not yeah, specific like, decisions yeah, just, anything like that. Yeah, but I think I think in general when it first was announced, I was really hesitant to get on board with it. And obviously, I've never been on a game that has used VAR. Um, the Big 12 doesn't use video review yet, um, but I've never been, you know, subject to those to those matches. So, but as a spectator of the sport and just a general fan, um, I didn't really like it at first. But I think now, as we look at how it's being used, and it's four critical decisions to get them right, I I'm okay with that. I think any referee I've walked off of games knowing that I ended up getting something wrong if I could have taken a second look at that to make sure I got that penalty decision correct or make sure I got that red card correct absolutely would love to have that opportunity um, I will say the difference between the IFAB which is what FIFA plays under and the uh, NCAA rules I kind of like this the more stringent requirements for NCAA uh, they've got four um, real situations where it can be used and it's you know, the right here in front of me is it determine whether or not a goal has been scored, identifying players for discipline matters, determining whether a fight occurred and identifying all participants, and then determining whether violent conduct occurred and identifying all participants. And those are like very clear cut situations. If those don't happen, you can't use video review. So it's not like a clear and obvious error. It's not an offside in the buildup or something like that. So we're leaving most of the decisions to the referee. Career. Sure. So I think that's interesting. So... NCAA. I didn't know those specific things either. Like, I didn't know those were either. So, NCA actually does, that's their definition, right? That is their definition. Okay. Yep, right so, they there. use, if you if you are covering a game or refereeing a game that has those media capabilities, that's the other part of it. Yep. Right? They have to have those. Yes, they have to mo- have the camera setups. They have to have, uh, usually how it, how it gets um, passed down is by conference. Okay. Um, so, right now, in our state, the Big Ten does use it. Uh, the Big 12 currently does not, and then I don't believe the Missouri Valley does as well. So it becomes a bit of an economic oh, yeah. state as yep. well, which the Big Ten is the, the TV revenue. And so I think the, the challenge is the, the words of critical and then clear and obvious, because you watch the Women's World Cup going on right now. I mean, when they say clear and obvious, it, sometimes it, you look at like, why is that being reviewed? That is not, quote, clear and obvious. Um, I just, it's just interesting that they use that. Uh, well, that, I mean, that like, it's like literally like that goes down to like like dictionary like definitions. Yeah, what because, is their what's the definition? Yeah, because, clear, like, obvious, and critical. Okay, right? so let's like pick let's pick one because it's and you know it's not specific, but like it's, uh, hopefully people watch the USA England game I women's thought it game was a penalty. Yeah, uh, for sure. But cl- was it clear was it and obvious? Sure? But was it clear and obvious? Right. Was right. it clear and obvious? And did it need to be... So is it that it's clear and obvious that it needs to be reviewed? I thought probably needed to be reviewed, but if you watch it the first time, you think it's the touch on her back that, that's done it. It's not the heel to the... the, the yeah, the trip. And so, so okay, so 
Hey, listeners, like, if you watch the game, like, I hope that you were paying attention to this part. Sean, do you know what we're talking about? Yes, I do. I saw okay. it. Um, I saw it. Um, Sean is looking up. I'm really looking photographs. it up right now so I don't misspoke, misspeak. But, this is great. Um, yeah, and I think, I think you're right. You know, what is, what is clear and obvious? Because I clearly and obviously needed to be reviewed but, like, I never would have picked up on that right away. Like, the fact that it was the heel. I no. thought it was just the touch in the back, and I was like, there's no way. That's soft. She went down. Now, like, having been involved in some clinics that uh, clips from VAR have been used, um, what is really interesting and not very well communicated sometimes is there are a lot of camera angles that the VAR team has at their disposal mm-hmm. that are not showed on the broadcast. So we all know this really is a, this is a game of angles. Sure. Right? So if I'm a referee on the top of the penalty area looking at that particular England-US uh, penalty decision, and I'm staring right down the goal mouth looking at it, but on the broadcast I'm showing you angles from either the touchline or from behind the goal, that's a completely different perspective than if I can find that same camera angle that's maybe looking over the back of the referee and you can see that angle and what it looked like to the referee. And so I think there's where, you know, we get into these questions about, well, why did the decision get overturned? Why did this decision stay the same? You've got to remember that what the referee sees is all they have in that moment. And so this is why VAR is great for the game, I think, in certain aspects, because it does give you that opportunity to make sure what you did decide is, in fact, correct, or that maybe we missed something. Uh, And we can go back and review it. It's super interesting. I mean, it's... from where we're sitting, Blake, like it's one of those like I don't could almost care less, but I just think it's so interesting how it's how it's evolved and it, you know like the players, um, the England players. I read an article about them. They were literally um, like briefed, like they would have like full classroom sessions on like all the rule changes. They've been given a book to read, and like they're being uh, spoken to by like the team psychologists to talk about. Okay, so when you've scored the the winner. And then they call it back, like, how are you going to react to that? And it's, I mean, it's just it's just brought this whole new aspect to the game. Mm-hmm. It um, has. And I think it's very early, too. I mean, hopefully hopefully we, you know, we'll see that it's crafted and modified um, from year to year. It, the, the VAR will, the protocol maybe will change or there'll be different definitions added. You know, we've got to realize that it's really early on in VAR being incorporated into the game. So... But I think, I do. I think part of this money. So like, people are watching. Sponsors are paying money. Like we never would have had the access to have one all the camera, dif- all the different camera angles. And there's four referees sitting in the booth. Like That's at crazy. the World Cup, they're not making. Uh, they're making good money. Is what mm-hmm. I like. They're not getting paid. They're not volunteering for that duty. So like, there's an economic side of it too, which is good. That the game to me, the game is growing. And able to uh, able to get four more people on every single game at the Women's World Cup, which I think is pretty. Yeah, and it's eyes constantly. I mean, those those eyes are those those video streams are constantly working. Um, I had the pleasure of at our Terry Vaughn Academy last year. Um, there were clips from Russia VAR rooms, and Sweet. it is an absolute. I mean, you want to talk about multitasking and like mental focus? Those VAR referees are getting information thrown at them all the time and it's just clear. and they're probably able to check the book and then they're watching I don't, clips and I don't think those guys need to check the book <laughs> sure. they, they probably know it inside and out but but it's just you know there's there's four screens going and they're getting fed information was what about this what about this and so there's a lot going on in that VAR room that we never even hear about because it doesn't ever get thrown down to the referee until the VAR says hey we need to check this fair enough yeah well, so, okay, so we always, we say this, like, almost every time we have somebody on, we say, like, oh, we, we got to have this guy back, we got to, or gal back, and, like, you know, <laughs> dig through this, and, you know, because everybody brings up so many interesting parts of the game that we just don't always talk about, but, um, you know, we we don't want to talk all night, so. Right, right. So, I got one last question, but you, you keep going, man. No, well, you, you ask your ask question, okay. and then I've got, I've got a great you way to wrap it up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Refereeing, we've just talked about it for a while. There's, it's difficult. People get on you. Why in the world are you, Sean, guys, a refereeing? What do you enjoy? What do you like about it? Why do you do it? Oh, man. 
Wow. Uh, it's a great lot, question. Yeah. Gosh, yeah wow. Jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you know, if we make it one thing simple, um, it's you're in the center of games that are incredible matches. I mean, I've been. Again, we talk about the opportunities in Dallas Cup this year, Development Academy playoffs in California, um, even our own state cup games that are intense and exciting, adult league games on Saturday and Sundays, um, traveling the country and getting to see different parts of the country that I'd never get to see. I would never gone to Elizabethtown, Kentucky if it wasn't for Tournament of Champions last year. Um, but Are you going to Fort Wayne this year? I am going to Fort Wayne this year. So I'm glad you said yes because that would have been awkward. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, well, I could have said I could have made up an excuse about vacation <laughs> yeah. or family or something, right? Uh, no, but that I mean that's pretty cool. But you know, the friendships that you make in the refereeing community um, are unbelievable. Um, there's some of the there's some of the best friendships you know in comparison to remember friendships on teams that you've been on right i was gonna say that's um they're they're right there um and and just you know that i think is is tough to beat as far as um why we keep doing this but you know why we step on the field every day is because you know it's the beautiful game it's the way to stay involved in the game um and i think that that's what keeps me coming back and the friendships keep me coming back more and the traveling is awesome at the same time and just um it, it does take a toll um it's a it's a lot of work but it's it's all it's all worth it uh when you get to do some of these great things and get to see some of these fantastic players as well as um meet amazing people from all around the country so yeah. so actually my follow up question is perfect so um I mean, you're just a dude, though, right? Like you're just yeah. a guy. You're, you're uh, you said you're thirty years be. old, right? But you're, you know, you're thirty <laughs> years old. You, uh, and you know, you're talking about being a regional level referee, correct? At the moment, correct. Yeah. Right, and so you're, so you're pursuing. I mean, obviously, you're going to continue to pursue. I would guess. You, like you seem like a guy that's getting after it, but like you also have a day job. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this is something you're pursuing. Like ultimately, you know, it's a hobby that pays, but it's a hobby. So like, tell us about like what what's like uh, what's John Giza going to do after this? Like, what are you after what are you this? doing on oh, Friday? Man. Like, I mean, maybe you've got the day off, but what's what's going on next Monday? So, like, you got to work, right? Yeah. So by day by day, I'm a project coordinator for a scientific um, nutrition analysis company. I have a, Ugh, I have a double works. degree. In <laughs> Look at this guy. English he's like yeah. he's like he's not only is a rules guy, he's like a, a, yeah, well, he's a science major. I'm a, I handle uh, I handle a lot of. Um, client business you know basically they send their products to us for a validation on what they're getting in their lab um, so a lot of you know making sure things are getting out on time making sure things are in order when they're when they're in our facility um, but I have a dual degree in biology and biochemistry yeah, so right. <laughs> um, kind of it's nice to kind of use both my the, the people skills mm-hmm. that I've developed as a bartender and on the soccer field it really translates well um, as far as tonight gosh I don't know I think we're going to do some some fireworks. I may play some FIFA. Nice. I'm, I'm trying to uh, progress through the FIFA divisions. I was Division Two last year, and I am not having such a good time this year. So, um, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to come given Dallas Cup assignments. I'm not going to comment oh, on that one. But no, uh, yeah, you know, we just we I have a dog and a wonderful girlfriend at home. Um, we've been together, gosh, almost four years now, and. You talk about you know, uh, like I can ask the next question. Yeah. Not careful. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Keep talking. Um, you, you talk about um, you know th- this is a you know I spend a lot of PTO on soccer, and I think that those of us who are able to do this at a high level, we we depend greatly on our um, on our uh, you know significant others at home and our family, and I would not be able to do this if it wasn't for her. So um, that's that's huge to me that I have her support. I mean, she's. She wants to come to events. She wants to go to games. She loves the game of soccer, and I don't think she would have been involved in it too much. She, like, watches you ref? Absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. awesome. difficult. That is. Because you're getting yelled at. No matter what. You're getting yelled at by just somebody. Whether it's the one year that you are, you're, nobody she tends, says good She tends job. to like, stay to, like, college games and Des Moines Menace games and things yeah, like that. The, the but, ones that you're, like, excited about. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm excited about oh, every oh, game. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. My yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, don't put me on the spot right there. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Like, the high-level stuff. Yeah, I mean, she, she enjoys some of the high school games, um, but it's hard. You know, high school games come at you so quick. The the season's so short. There's so many of them that it's hard to get out to every one of them. But, um, but yeah. So you know that is I'm I'm lucky to have that support and, uh, um, 
just this this has been a fun ride and you ask about progressing you know we'll we'll continue to work hard and continue to get game assignments and hopefully give it the get given the opportunity and see where it goes are we gonna are we gonna see you in like what is it five uh, what what world cup are we gonna see i'm probably first off i would probably die of heat stroke yeah, don't, it's going too hot don't but um or is it cutter i have heard it pronounced okay, both yeah, ways yeah, yeah. but uh, no, I I think I think my days of the the FIFA badge are probably gone. But already, uh, yeah, I mean, just it's, like from an age standpoint, just from an age standpoint, and probably an ability standpoint too. But okay. no, um, fair enough. But so it's like this is something though. Like, do you envision yourself being like a like an old man, like run around refing? Are you going to be coaching kids? Like, you're going to be think, you're going to stay involved in the game? Absolutely. I mean, I've I've become uh, more involved as a mentor in recent years. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, so that's definitely a way to stay involved after my legs decide they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and a USSF instructor as well. So um, love teaching the new courses. I love getting out and teaching to our older. Uh, more experienced referees about some different nuances that we can um, teach about at different levels, but there'll be a spot, you know, and there's always a spot for anyone, whether or not there's referees doing entry-level recreational games or whether or not there's referees that want to do national leagues, there's, there's a spot for everyone to be involved and stay involved. And I think that's one thing, you know, we're working on and, and we talked about retainment kind of off, off the deal earlier, but that's one of my big focuses as well as retaining referees and, and making sure we're getting more referees involved because it's a fantastic way to stay involved in the game. Yeah, that's super cool. I I mean, I would recommend to anybody that ever has a, a bone to pick with a referee, uh, I would recommend that you try doing it. I've done it a few times, and it is it's hard. <laughs> I, it's really challenging. But like, I mean, you did it when you were young, and it's it's. Uh, yeah, without. I mean, that was years ago. It's but just, it's still hard, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, like, and the parents and the coaches don't help. At the end of the day, no, they yeah. don't help, and. And that's maybe the beauty of getting to where he's at. Is, yeah. You know, hopefully, the parents and the coaches give you a little less of a hard time. I think, the more experience you get, and and some of the, you know sometimes the nice you know we say we do a Des Moines Menace game. I don't even think about the spectators. Yeah. I don't even realize they're there. Unless I must make a really bad call and I hear everybody. Red Army must be a little bit louder. Yeah, let's go, man. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. But, but you know, you're so focused on the game that you kind of forget about it. You yeah. just you okay, just do so, your job. So my question that I sort of deferred earlier, and this is gonna wrap us up. Have you ever been a referee that's been in a situation where like the game has gone like it's just gone crazy and like you fear for your, your safety? I have. Yeah. Have you? Because Blake's yeah. been a part Blake's <laughs> been in a game like that Dwight a long Hoover? time ago. <laughs> Blake was a part of that game. I've never been in a game like that where Aurelia things have gone Marcus. that. Yeah. Oh, that game, I was a part of that game. I've never seen a game personally that I've been on. I've never seen a game get out of hand. But I've seen the warning signs and kind of this this decision didn't go their way or this player comes in with a really bad tackle and they didn't like what the the decision was afterwards or the misconduct. Uh, you know, you kind of see it building. And I was really lucky that we were at like, I don't know, 80 minutes when it was building yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. versus 45 because um, I, I don't, I hope, you know, that we're never on that um, path because it's, I've seen videos and it's unfortunate that that is something that, um, is a part of the game, but well, you can see how it happens, and I'm yes. not saying like it has nothing to do with uh, necessarily even a referee's no, bad call. It's no. just like everybody's emotions get involved in the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, those are those are those, those types. But of at the same time, like, we talk about part you know, of we talk about how it happens, and I think you know that we're in an age of visibility, and it's good that we're actually able to see some of that stuff happening because how much of it has gone unchecked, and we've done nothing about it, and now we're able to kind of see the the signs and pick out those things and teach that to referees and other participants in the game um, as far as how to how to maybe act differently so um, again I've, I've never I've been lucky that I've never had that um, spiral out of control but definitely Sunday league yeah adult games or um, other matches you can see how it happens the last one I played in when I retired uh, the cops were called that was did you guys win the fi- the championship yeah, there? We got uh, the referee suspended the game because our team uh, <laughs> was out of control. Wait, that must have been like two thousand <laughs> what, like eight nine, yeah. something like that. Yeah, well, that's um, awesome. That's a good conversation. Yeah, Sean, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the Thanks time for with us. Me. Uh, 
hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, you know, I'm right here in Des Moines, so beautiful. I can't get too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks. All right, Blake, another day, another pod. I really enjoyed that conversation with Sean. How about you? I did as well. You know, I enjoyed it. I learned quite a bit uh, about the game and just kind of, you know, the level of referees that we have in our state that are going uh, going and doing the top youth levels and, you know, top uh, adult levels here in Iowa as well. So it was, uh, it was good. I enjoyed seeing things from a different perspective and hope the listeners did as well. Definitely. And it... Uh, it was interesting because it was a conversation that we originally intended to kind of keep uh, a little tighter. And uh, you know, next thing you know, we were off and running, and that was quite a long conversation. We really enjoyed it, like we said. Um, and so if you, if you have any suggestions for guests that we should have a beer on the table with, we're definitely open to that. You can slide into our DMs, which uh, you, know, you can find us on Twitter. We're at kick underscore forward. Or on Facebook, we're kick it forward IA. Um, Blake, what do you think? Should we uh, thank our sponsors as well? Absolutely. You know, we've been working on this uh, this Beers on the Table sponsorship for quite a while. We were finally able to uh, to get a, a business on board and none other, no greater one, no greater liquor store other than Central City. They've got uh, just about everything you want and could find and uh, I think our renowned for their whiskey selection specifically. I was going to say, we might have to go back and renegotiate our, our deal instead of beers on the table, we can get some whiskey on the table. Although, things might get a little silly then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely thanks to Central City Liquors, and then, of course, a thank you to Scott Insurance Services, Billy Scott. A little shout out to you. Thanks for all your support. And If you have any insurance needs, Bill's your guy. You can find him online at www scott-insurance-services.com and of course Blake we can't forget our other favorite guy we can't uh, Michael Roy Keener uh, attorney at law you know we give us uh, email out quite a bit but maybe we'll just kind of switch things up for those that actually listen to the entire entire pod I love it Um, if you need to reach him 641-425-4764 again uh, Michael Keener, attorney at law over at Grief Sydney. That's right. Awesome. Um, stay tuned for next week. We're going to uh, get another game of the week in and go watch the Des Moines Wanderers play the Dubuque Union uh, in a, I would call it a non league amateur men's match. Um, so that'll be good. We'll cover that game so you can follow that on social media and then we'll have a chat with the Dubuque Union coach. Uh, afterwards, which should be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks. See you next time.